Good morning, Calvary Church. What I just learned is we want to sit together as a body, and Tim thinks that soup plantation is a perfect dining experience. It's good to know. Thank you. Hey, um, <laughs> can I sing a song for you? All right. You remember this one? It's from the 80s. It goes like this. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I got a million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. You know this? Join me. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got the best for so much less. It'll really flip your lid. From bikes to trains to video games. It's the biggest toy store there is. Thank you. I was hoping you would come today. I don't want to grow up, because maybe if I did, I wouldn't be a Toys R Us kid. More games, more toys. Boy. <laughs> I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Remember the song? There's a sense in us. There is a defiant part of us. I don't want to grow up. I want to stay young forever. Uh, our, our summer theme with our high school students is fantastic. Uh, our team did a great job. They, they call their theme Leaving Neverland. It's this challenge to our high school students to grow up. Not just grow up like deer laundry, but to grow up into some spiritual maturity. The idea of Neverland is from Peter Pan, the story of a boy who refuses to grow up. It was written in 1904 as a fantasy story for children, and never did the writer of this story ever think that this would be a blueprint for social interaction today. And so we live in a society of people who do not want to grow up. Lost boys abound, and in a desperate attempt to stay young forever, we have achieved eternal childness instead of eternal youth. I, I want us this morning to dig in and to think about this idea of what is it like for me? Where am I at on this spectrum of my own spiritual maturity? And I believe that First John today addresses this in, in an incredibly direct way. So I want you, if you... Uh, have your Bibles or your iPads or your phones or your whatevers uh, or the Bible and the seat back in front of you. Go to 1 John. We're in chapter 2 this morning. And if you don't know where 1 John is, just start in the very back at Revelation and go backwards about five books or so. So this idea of, of leaving Neverland, I, I want to challenge us this morning of stepping into the journey of growing up. But not just growing up, but growing up spiritually. When we talk about leaving Neverland, uh, the question is, what stage of maturity do we find ourselves in, spiritually speaking? You can be 85 years old and here today, and you could still be an infant spiritually. And we have some of you who are young, and you are growing up in the faith, and you are maturing, and you are taking some bite-sized pieces of the spiritual life that God is inviting us to. But the question is, where are we today, and what are we doing, and how are we also then engaging with this world that we live in? What is a mature response? What is a mature posture 
to engage with our world. And we have a lot of challenges, and we're going to get into that this morning. But would you join me? I'm in verse 12, chapter 2, 1 John, and it says this, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. And I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him that has been from the beginning. And I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. He's addressing three different groups of people. Now, John, over and over throughout the, the epistles here, he uses this phrase, little children. This is a, a, a word, this is an idea that... He's, he's kind of an old man at this point when he's writing, and he's looking at the church and he's saying, look, you are children of God. You're part of this community of believers. But he's also kind of saying, we have some divisions here. I want you to understand. And he says, I am writing to you, children, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. And then he says, I have written. And I, I think there's an allusion to the, this writer of First John is also the writer of the epistle John. So he says, not only am I writing to you right now about this, but I've also written to you because you know the Father. You are in. You love him and you are living your life for him. But I also believe that he's giving us some ideas of what is our maturity like. And he goes on to describe the maturity of young men. I am writing to you young men. Because you have overcome the evil one. You are strong. The word of God, God's word abides in you richly. And you have overcome the evil one. And then he, he talks about the maturity of fathers. And he, he repeats this twice. He says, because you know him. You know him who has been from the beginning. We have these three kind of categories. I'm kind of visual. I want you to see this. And I want us to think about where are, are we at? Where are you at? Both individually speaking, but how we are living out individually also in, impacts how we are coming together as a community. When you look and you think about your spiritual maturity, where are you falling? Have you been coming to church here at Calvary your entire life, but you are still on milk instead of meat? Are we growing up? It's been said that the church needs both a fireplace and a fire. I don't know if you've heard this, but we have this sense of a fireplace that is sturdy and it's solid. But if you have a church that is just a fireplace and there's no fire in the fireplace, then it's not serving its purpose. And then if you have a fire, but you have no fireplace, then you have this kind of, this sense that there's just burning embers all over the place and it can cause destruction. I, I want us to understand our need for each other in here and as we go out is important. Some of you are mature in your faith and you are walking with the Lord and you have something of faith to pass on. You know what it's like to live a life and to have struggles, to lose to death somebody who was really important. You can give that gift to the generations below you and even spiritually you can give and say, Look, I know what it's like to hold together a marriage in hard times. And let me show you. 
but sometimes as we get older, and I'm, I'm already like, I, I, I sometimes think of myself as like, I'm kind of young, but I'm already starting to cross this like, this, this, this edge of like, man, I kind of like being comfortable too. And, and, and there's something in our youth that there is a fire and there is a passion and we will overcome that sometimes I think that we can lose as we age. And so this idea for us as a community, for us as a body, is we need each other. The church needs both mature and loving Christians that can come alongside those who are in the youth of their spiritual maturity and that we could give to one another. And what does that look like? I want you to hear this morning... Um, some of the headlines that have been going on in the news just in the last week. Some of them are very obvious and you've seen it, but just listen to some of these. Supreme Court declares same-sex marriage legal in all 50 states. At least 28 dead after attack on hotel at a Tunisian beach resort. Man beheaded in a terrorist attack on French factory. ISIS goes door to door killing scores of civilians in Kobani. ISIS claims responsibility for a suicide attack at Kuwait Mosque. Baltimore civil rights icon is still pushing to help the city's young. Polio is active in only three countries. Soon it could be down to two. A showdown looms at South Korea's gay pride parade. Farewell, low fat, why scientists applaud lifting a ban on fat. It's pretty good. Tama, the cat that saved a Japanese train station, died. Oh. Sorry, Dave. Univision cuts ties with Trump after comments about immigrants. The Supreme Court thwarts efforts to put Obamacare on life support. U.S. Army begins training Ukrainian soldiers. After Ben Affleck's scandal, PBS postpones finding your roots. Chris Christie to announce on Tuesday that he's running for president. The Pope said sometimes marital separation is morally necessary. And then mourners gather in Charleston to remember slain pastor. Do you remember this? About a week and a half ago, Charleston, South Carolina, Bible studies going on, and there's a visitor who opens fire and kills the pastor and a total of nine people. I don't know if you saw some of the reaction of what took place as Dylan Roof stood in a little box with soldiers and Yet people of the church who remain behind and they continue to pour out words of forgiveness. Um, I want to show you a video clip of the Sunday after that shooting happened. It was last Sunday, a week ago. And there is a reverend who came in, Reverend Goff, and he gave a message. And I, I want you just to hear a piece of what happened in this message last week. Take a look. There are some problems and issues that we are unable to provide answers to. But I want to suggest and recommend to you this morning, if you find a problem or situation too hard for you, I want you to know that it's just right for God. I had a witness here. When evil is in the world, you and I may not be able to control evildoers. But I want you to know the day that I know a man who's able to handle all of 
of our problems. Some of us are still trying to seek answers to what happened last week Wednesday. Well, I've been there, done that, spent the night. And I've decided to turn it over. Y'all ain't here, man. I've decided to turn it over to Jesus. Uh, preacher, you saying right now, you mean we ought to forget what has happened? No, don't forget. But to remember that the God who created us all is the God who will make a way out of no way. Yes, there are answers that we are still waiting for. But the answer is still by leaving our hands in the hand of God. I'm reminded by some news media persons. Say, wonder why the nine families all spoke of forgiveness and didn't have malice in their heart. On this Father's Day, you ought to know the nine families' daddy. If you knew the nine families' daddy, you would know how the children are behaving. All oh, our daddy said, we ought to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. If you knew our daddy, you would know that he says, weeping and endured for night. But joy comes in the morning. Yes, if you knew our daddy, you would know that some days are up and some days are down. Almost level to the ground. But if you knew our daddy, refuge and strength and then the first point you ought to remember from this brief message is that we ought to put our hope and trust in God hey yeah 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 stock markets may crash friends may leave you mom and daddy may be called back home to God himself but if you keep your hand in God's hand Turn to somebody and say, he'll make a way somehow. Yeah. I want what he's having. <laughs> Can we do that? <laughs> it's like, I'm thinking, all right, you got to just go back to me. Nobody falls asleep in that church. They all sit together really close, all in the front row. It's amazing. But look, how do you forgive evil? You look at what's going on there, 
you look at the response of those families and they are stepping up somehow. They are showing wisdom. They are showing a spiritual passion and maturity. And how do we... Can I get an amen? Amen. That's all we got. (laughs) Good job. We did it, right? We're in the South, but it's South OC. Now, but we... I, I, I want that. I, I want to be able to, to look at the evil in the world and somehow we are living differently, that we are speaking differently. I, I, I just have to tell you, and, and we can't as a church just look at what has gone on in the last two days. Uh, if you have been sleeping in a cave and you just woke up and came to church this morning, then you might not know, but the Supreme Court on Friday legalized same-sex marriage in our country. Now, The aftermath of what has taken place and what I have seen in articles and Facebook messages and profile pictures, um, what is going on here, um, I I have been surprised on both sides. And it's it's hurting my heart in in every possible way. Uh, What does it look like for us as Christians, as mature Christians who who have known the Father from the very beginning, How are we characterized? How are we looked at in this world? Because it is, it's hard. But I also want us to understand that the playbook that we are playing by, the book of rules, the Bible, the holy word of God that we believe God has spoken and given to us is for us. Those of us who have put our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ, that is not the book that everybody else is playing by, and we cannot hold them accountable to those rules. God will take care of that. But how are we responding? I've seen ugliness come from Christians and people that I know over the last couple of days. Uh, John Piper, I think, put it best. He's talking about You know, the homosexual agenda has been celebrated, and and this is not something new. From the fall of man, there has been homosexuality, and it is something that has been playing out. But he says this. He says, this is not the time. He says, my reason for writing is not to mount a political counter-assault. I don't think that is the calling of the church as such. My reason for writing is to help the church Feel the sorrow of these days. And the magnitude of the assault on God and his image in man. See, coming from a Jewish background, I grew up singing and chanting Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema. Love the Lord your God. The God is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But then it goes on to say that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And then when Jesus is asked later on in the New Testament, says, what's the most important command? Out of all 613 commandments, what is most important? And Jesus lands on, he says, love the Lord your God, and then love your neighbor as yourself. We have to be very careful, Christians. What we are doing on social media, how we are interacting with our world, we have to be careful. Uh, Facebook is the toddler of the intellectual debate. It cannot be on there. We have to sit down with people and we have to show them love. And you know what? We are sinners too. And we, we fall. And we, we seem to go into two camps. 
If you don't support, then you hate, especially with a theme of love wins. But meanwhile, Piper goes on to say, those on the right, they see compromise and spinelessness in anyone who doesn't get red-faced and militant. And if you don't hate, then you must support. As followers of Jesus, we have to say something different. We have to engage with one another in love. This is a spiritual response, but it has to be done across the table. It has to be done in love and friendship. And then we have to remember that as, as Romans and Galatians, all kinds of passages talk about our sin and how we have messed up and fallen short, we have to remember that it says, Paul says, such were some of you, but you have been washed. And so we need to realize and weep for our own brokenness and our own sin. Tim Keller put it so well. He says, we are far worse than we ever imagined and far more loved than we could ever dream. And I think it's time that we start living into that. So not only is this a call this morning to leave Neverland, but it is also a call for us to stop loving Neverland. What world do we find ourselves in? Would you go through the next couple verses with me? It says this. Do not, in verse 15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. It says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Loving the world is in opposition to loving the Father. Do you see that? Loving the world. Now, we have to define what the world is. The word is cosmos. And so it could be, when we have the word, oftentimes the word word cosmos, it means the earth, the physical earth. You have this in your outline, hopefully. Uh, The physical world, the planet earth, the God who made the world and all things in it from Acts chapter 17. But then you also have the people. We as people, we are called the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But then there's this third category of world and it is this it's, it's a reference to the spiritual system that is opposed to God and Jesus. There are people in this world, there is an invisible world going on. We went through this in our supernatural series, but there is a world that is going on that is opposed to the work of God and Jesus here in this world. And that is what we are supposed to distance ourselves from, the love of that world. It's not stop loving planet Earth. It's not stop loving mankind or people. But don't love this system that is opposed to the work of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's used together. In John 1, it says, When He, Jesus, was in the world, talking about the physical earth, and the world was made through Him, and the world, mankind, did not know Him. So we see this this mixture of things. But what our call is, is that we are not to love the world, nor the things in it. Um, This is a, a... screenshot taken from uh, Calvary's pages of history. We have a long and rich history going all the way back to 1931. Um, in 1948, we hired a, we, like I was there, uh, there was hired a, a man uh, named Don McAlpine. Some of our high schoolers know about this because Doug talks about Don McAlpine all of the time. Uh, but he was the first youth pastor uh, at Calvary Church. And he and his wife, Mary, uh, they went on to uh, become missionaries in Japan, 
planted five churches and served in the field for 35 years. He died in 1983. She continued to serve for the next couple years and then retired, was in Fresno, and lived out her life. I I believe she died just last year. I I want you to hear something that happened because she has a story of not loving the things in this world. In her estate plan in this last year, she generously gave back to Calvary and with the proceeds from her estate, we are very close. Listen, this is kind of an announcement, but it's a thing to celebrate. We are very close to having enough gifts and pledges to finalize our generation project. She gave such a large gift. I can't give you the number, but it's more than I make. It's fantastic. But we are going to finish our student underground. We're close. Who would have thought a little old missionary lady, so whatever I make, I'm sure she makes less, right? Saved and put away and put away and rejected the things of the world and said, I'm going to do something great. And now the wife and the legacy of a youth pastor here at Calvary Church gets to get reinvested into the next generation of youth as we finish off the generation project. Amen. The world, we know what it is, but I also want you to know what the world does and how it brings us in. The world wants to draw us in and never have us leave. It says, for everything that is in the world, the lusts of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, that is not from the Father, but it is from the world. I want you to hear that we were born with with a nature. It's a sin nature. It's the flesh. And when we receive Jesus, we get a new nature. It's a spiritual nature. And these natures are at war within us. Galatians 5 talks about this. You can have these fleshly desires. It's okay to be hungry and to be thirsty, to be sleepy, to want sex. But the world entices us. The world appeals to normal desires and attempts to satisfy those in forbidden ways. Is that for me? All right. Thank you. The world wants to draw us out. Where are the areas in our life that we want to be drawn into? Where are we open? Can I just take you through a couple things here real quick? Let me show you this. In Genesis chapter 3, I want you to understand and I want you to hear that the enemy has been using the same plan since the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes... And that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were open. I want you to see, as you look through this passage, the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh. 
delight to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and desirable to make one wise. Pride of life. Every once in a while, when I'm standing up here, without even thinking about it, I get distracted. I'll see one of you picking your nose or falling asleep, and I'll think, <laughs> they're picking their nose. And I start thinking about that. I'm like, no, no, shut up. You got to focus. You're preaching. There's people listening to you, talking to you. And then you get distracted. Can we just reset for a second? Let's just pray. Can we do that? God, um, we, we trust you. Um, we look to you, and we, we know that you are, are here in, in us. And time and time again, the enemy wants to distract us time and time again. Our hearts are pulled away. So God, be with us here. To the extent that I'm distracted, I know that we're all just asking the question, what's going on? And so Lord, we, we hand that over to you right now. Pray that your spirit, we claim that your spirit is here in this place. That was the song that we sang this morning. It's so working us right now. Because it'd be really easy to walk away from this morning and think about what's transpired in the last two minutes instead of what you want us to hear. So we give you the rest of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, good. Can I get a witness? I got a thousand of you here. It's great. I just want to show you something here. Uh, when it says, the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. There's this other passage in, in Luke chapter 24. And this is this really cool thing that takes place in, in scripture. I don't know if you remember this, but Jesus has died. He resurrects and then he shows up to these two people. They are on the road to Emmaus. And as he's walking with them, they're talking and they have you not heard about this thing that's happened in Jerusalem, this amazing thing. And, and they're going on and, and they're about ready to split. And they say, would you come over to our place? Do you want to eat a meal? They wanted to listen to Jesus because he's telling them about the law and the prophets, everything that took place leading up to him, they don't recognize who he is. And they're sitting at the table. They approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he was going further, but they urged him, saying, stay with us. It is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So they went in to stay with them. And he reclined at the table with him. He took the bread, and he blessed it, and breaking it, and he began giving it to them. And then, look what happens, he says. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. I want you to see the complete story of what's going on. Back here in Genesis, when sin entered the world, Adam and Eve, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, that we can do this, they opened themselves up to what sin was inviting them to. Their, their eyes were open, and they knew they were naked. Shame entered in, and sin began and it was after this meal. And then you go on into the New Testament. And it was as they are having this meal. And Jesus is telling them and showing them who he is. And he's completing the story. He says, I came to, to, to bring you out of that. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. 
The world offered Eve something, and the world also offered Jesus something. And we, we read the story of the temptation of Jesus, and I'm just going to go through this real quick. But as Satan is talking with Jesus, he's, he's putting these things out there. He's saying, come in, be worldly, and in, inviting him. And so he became hungry. Jesus becomes hungry, and, and Satan is saying, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread, the lust of the flesh. Just fulfill this desire. And he takes them to the holy city and stand on the pinnacle of the temple. He says, all of these things I will give to you. Feast your eyes on this, Jesus. Just fall down and worship me. And he says, if you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down. The angels will surely take you. The pride of life. Satan has been at this from the very beginning, inviting us in to live a worldly life. My question for you this morning is, what is the world offering you? What is the world offering you? There's a hashtag. It's F-O-M-O, FOMO. It's the fear of missing out. The idea of this fear of missing out has huge implications for us spiritually. We believe, and I believe the enemy has been saying this for millennia now, is that if you follow God, you will be missing out on something. If you follow Jesus, you will be missing out. That somehow God is holding out on us. This is the same message that is going over and over again. And the belief is that if I sin, that I will get that. I will fill whatever it is that I don't have that God is holding out. And sin always leads to emptiness. It may have fun for a season, but it leads to nowhere. And that progression for us is a slow fade. It's not overnight. If you look on the back of your outline, I I talk about this idea of what is that progression for us? How do we have that fade? What is that, that slope? And there's an illustration in there talking even about Lot, that he, he sees Sodom out in the distance, and then he pitches his tent facing Sodom, and then he actually moves into Sodom. And you can see what that fade looks like in his life. But I want you to just, I just want to ask you, like in your life, in your personal life, where are you susceptible? Where do you need redemption? Where is the enemy pulling you in? Is it in the lust of the flesh? Is it in the lust of your eyes? Or is this boastful pride of life what is drawing you in? And what is our response? How can we be spiritually mature in that? The last thing is just loving the world is not a good long-term strategy. It says the world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. The one who does the will of God lives forever. We think that maybe we're not affected by this. And I want you just to think through this, the test of worldliness. If I just say, God loves you so much, what's your heart's reaction to that? When we say that the love of God is here for you, for the taking, is your heart's reaction to just refuse that? Have we lost our enjoyment of the Father's love? When you sit here and you come to church each and every week and say, God loves you, we sing songs, God loves you, and it just does nothing for you, you've lost your enjoyment. The follow-up question is, to what extent am I living in the world and experiencing this worldliness? And then, have we lost our desire to do the Father's will? Okay, God, you've given us some pretty clear instruction in your word. 
What do you want me to do? How am I to live? Have you lost your desire to follow him? I want you to know that we have a God that loves us incredibly. He cares about us incredibly. And if there is a piece of your heart this morning that is resistant to that, then this is a good time to like just be open and to be honest and say, God, this is where I am struggling. Uh, can I get the worship team to come up? I, I want us to sing a song together. Um, and we sang it uh, last week. The song is called Good, Good Father. And the chorus, it just says, I'm loved by you. It's who you are. It's who you are. And then it talks about who we are, our identity, that we are loved by this Father. And it's because of His love that we receive and we know that we are loved and we live into that. My hope for all of you guys this morning is that we are growing up, that we can leave Neverland, that we can stop loving Neverland, that there is something about us here as a community that we are growing and we need one another to be able to do this. So we surrender ourselves and we surrender our hearts and our wills and we come together on a Sunday morning and we say, hey, um, let's do this. We are in this together. So we respond this morning. We have our stations, the tables. Uh, I want you to take, take the communion, take the bread and the cup and remember that Jesus poured himself out for you. You can give your offering here at the tables and inside your bulletins there is a giving update we are wrapping up our our fiscal year at the end of june and we start over again in july but this is an opportunity for you to just engage what does it look like for me to be spiritually mature and in my giving as well how can i show spiritual maturity in that and then we just want to pray that we can enter into this and we can ask god to be with us and help us as we mature would you pray with me god we come to you this morning Help us to be growing up in every way unto you. That there is a progression in our life that we are are loving you and that we are serving you. And, And God, that you would be showing us what it is to be part of this community, this body of Christ. Unite us, Lord. Unite our hearts. I pray that you go before us in this time as we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.